through the mud, the blood, and the beer. This is the Outside Gate with Steve Hall on the L4 Media Network. We're talking US moto and anywhere the conversation goes. Uh, joining us today is the man behind the motocross vault. If you haven't heard of the motocross vault, then you must be pretty young and you better go and check it out and and, uh, and have a look at uh, what your dad used to ride. Uh, it's Tony Blazer. How are you, man? I'm well, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Um, so I was just talking to uh, Tony there and there's rain pouring down on my on my um, tin roof of my house. So hopefully that's um, not going to upset the audio. But yeah, we're an all-weather show. So that's it. There you yeah, go. Got to roll with the punches. We've got to roll with it, yeah. Um, so Tony was a um, he was an inspiration to me when I very first um, did anything to do with um, motocross media, which was my Instagram page. And uh, I was an old school, oh, I don't need social media sort of guy. And my mates were like, oh, you've got to at least get Facebook, you know. And one of the first things I find was Tony's site. And I thought, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. There's more pictures and cool stuff on here than all my magazines, you know. And I started to realize, you know, this social media is not so bad. And told my mates to follow Tony's page and and that sort of thing. And then eventually decided, oh, I've got a lot of old Aussie magazines and started doing a bit of the same thing with my um, with my page. So um, I thank Tony for that just before, but I thought I'd just share that at the at the start of the show um also tony does um he writes um for pulp uh does the classic steel columns on pulp as well as his own stuff um has a uh, a um t-shirt motocross vault t-shirts hoodies all that sort of thing that you can buy as well where he does some really cool pictures you know old old um old trucks with old bikes in the back and and all that sort of thing um but yeah I'll shut up for a second. Let Tony talk a bit about what he does. <laughs> well, actually, I, I do all that stuff. Like you said, I have a YouTube channel, uh, the Motocross Vault, as well, where I kind of do video essays uh, similar to what I do for Steve with Classic Steel. Uh, I've been doing that since about 2012. Steve asked me to start uh, writings for him over at Pulp MX, and uh, I kind of do retrospectives on classic motocross stuff. I um, I love racing today as well, you know, but uh, it's going to be known as my niche, uh, I think, because I had such a huge collection of magazines. I, I didn't start out that way thinking that was what I was going to do. In fact, I almost got rid of them a little over a decade ago. And then I thought, well, maybe I could go through and start uh, maybe scanning some of these photos because, you know, it was I knew I had a huge collection of stuff and I thought well, it might be fun to share that with people. And what I I think initially what I started doing was just putting them on Vital MX. I would just post pictures and stuff on there and that just kind of snowballed over time and that's you know kind of where steve reached out to me and then i built uh you know i got on social media like you said i wasn't really big into social i wasn't early on uh twitter or any of that stuff but i thought again it would be fun to share the things i have because i know so many people you know i'm 54 i know a lot of people who grew up in my ear in the 70s and 80s you know they probably had these magazines but most people they don't keep the things you know you, you read it you throw it in the trash who knows what happened to it i just happened to keep the stuff and I thought there'd be, you know, a market out there for people who wanted to see this kind of stuff and kind of relive those old pictures. And um, I just I enjoyed I got a lot of positive feedback on it. You know, initially, I also have a huge selection of uh, VHS tapes of races um, going back to the, you know, the early 80s. And I started kind of uploading those to my YouTube channel, too. And it all kind of, um, you know, got my name out there a little bit uh, as somebody who had a lot of classic motocross stuff. 
Uh, and that's kind of just been where my focus has been with most of my content. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, and your your day job, Tony, you are a uh, you're a Chevy dealer, is that right? Yeah, uh, well, actually, I work for GMC now. Same thing, General Motors okay, here yep. in, in America. But yeah, I'm a sales manager at a GMC store. Uh, I've been doing that for like 29 years, so that's my day job. This has always been just a hobby on the side. You know, it's not a uh, a permanent job. I don't I don't make really much of any money from what I do, Steve pays me a little bit and I get a little stuff in the merch, like you said, uh, just enough to make it kind of worth my time to spend the hours I do. Uh, but it's always been more of a, a passion project just for fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Hey, um, I've just been watching, um, well, well, I got everything set up for the show earlier on and then I, I've been meaning to watch. I just watched the video of Carson Brown and Ken Roxon on the RM 85. So have you seen that yet? I did. I watched that yesterday. Actually, I tweeted it out. Oh, that, that was yeah. really awesome. Yeah, awesome how to good watch. was that? Carson that is was... so amazing to watch. I love the variety yeah. of bikes he rides. You know, he'll one day he'll be on a you know like an RMA. The next day he's on a seventy nine, you know YZ one hundred or something. It, it's awesome yeah. uh, watching him ride those old bikes. He's really um, carved out a, a niche for himself, hasn't he? He really it's, has. Um, he really has. Yeah. It is. It is super super cool. And um, that was, yeah, I just, I loved that. That was, um, that was great. It actually reminded me of uh, talking vintage. My, my favorite dirt bike video is, is one that uh, most people wouldn't expect, but um, Doug Dubark on his YZ hundred, that, that video from, it's probably from about five, six years ago. Have you ever seen, seen that, that one? I have oh. like he did this on a, like a restored one and riding it at Glen Helen or someplace. Yeah, yeah, nah. It's more of a it's like a natural terrain race. Um, so it was a thing. Um, geez, I'm 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 saying five six years ago, man. It could be ten. You know, <laughs> yeah. When yeah, as you get old at all, yeah, you, know, you think something together, was a few absolutely. years ago. It was right, quite a few. Right. It was actually. <laughs> it was even featured in. It was featured in Dirt Bike Magazine. Um, How did I miss this? I'd love to see this. And um, yeah, so Doug Doug built a YZ hundred, and that that was basically a field, a whole field of YZ hundreds. And um, there was I forget, but some pretty fast guys, um, and they were doing this race. And um, yeah, Doctor D had the GoPro on, and it is it's my favourite thing. Yeah, there's no big jumps, there's no big crowd, sure. nothing like that. It's just like this natural terrain track. And there's the doctor just working this YZ hundred like you know like it's um yeah and that uh, the RM eighty five thing I just watched it sort of had those sort of feels that I, yeah. I love the um you know a lot of people sort of love big bores and I love who doesn't love a big bore I love a CR five hundred a K five hundred but a, but a one two five or even better yeah. if it's a hundred on full song getting ridden to its absolute limit is yep. is still my favorite thing you know i've had That's every the, size of bike you can get and i still i still prefer riding the smaller bikes i think it's more fun to like you even though you're maybe not going as fast you feel fast because you're just pinning yeah. it everywhere it's just a lot of fun yeah yeah it, ge it gives someone who's not super talented a, a chance to feel a little talented doesn't it right know, because, exactly yeah. yeah they're just fun to ride you know, you know? and it can't yeah, be yeah. the two-stroke sound even though the four strokes are better in every measurable yeah. way the, the two strokes still just you can't beat that sound of the smell and everything else that comes with it the sound and the smell yeah, what um awesome. what oil what oil do you run in your two strokes what's the oil uh, that you love? 
uh, usually I run Blinzol or Maxima 927. I like the something that gives it a little bit of uh, that castor bean oil smell, you know? Yeah. And is that what you ran when you were when you were young? Is that smell still sort of make you reminisce? Yeah, I mean, I, back in the day, I probably ran Yamalu Bar probably mostly because that's what we had at the, the local Yamaha shop is what we get. Yeah. You know, and I was I was going for what was inexpensive and readily available. Uh, but, you know, as you get older, you can be a little more picky on what you what you run in your bikes and stuff. So uh, I just wanted to, you know, whatever the cheapest thing was probably what I ran when I was like in my teenage years. Yeah. My very first two stroke was a YZ125. And it's funny, you hear me saying YZ. That's a hard habit to get out of because it's, I, I know you I, guys I say my articles sometimes. You guys say YZ, YZ yeah. but it's yeah. funny, man, because in, in Australia, it's just, we say Z, you know? Right. Um, right. I always remember back to um, uh, here in, because um, uh, even though we, we say um, Zed, um, we all watched Sesame Street growing up. That was a, <laughs> that was a staple in Australia. And sure, they'd be doing sure. the alphabet and then they'd be saying Z and you'd be like, I remember as a kid thinking, why are they saying that, you know? But yeah, yeah exactly. my, so my YZ, when I first bought it, um, I bought it secondhand and the guy said um, he'd been running Castrol in it. I thought oh, I'll just run the same thing, so I found out where to buy the Castrol and and went and bought that. And um, I still run Castrol to this day just because of the smell. You can't beat the smell. You can't beat the smell. You know, the coolest part um, about it for sure. Yeah, it just and I, I can I, I know the smell that well that I can tell uh, if I walk past another bike in the pits and then I can tell oh, he's got Castrol yep. in that. You know, so, absolutely. Yeah, it's very distinctive. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so yeah, love. Um, love that man love that stuff like that always triggers the memories you know smells and things when you smell it you're like the same thing if i get uh uh you know open up an old carburetor full of old gas and it's like it reminds me of my childhood like getting a bike and restoring like oh that smell you know it just brings back memories you know yeah yeah i actually i wrote an article oh, a couple of years ago now about um and it was it wasn't oh, it wasn't an anti-electric bike article it was just an article on um on some things that you miss out on and all that. I mean, I am anti-electric bike, but I can't help it. But it was, I wasn't like bashing that scene, but I was just sort of um, making a point about part of the um, attraction to the sport, especially for our vintage, is the the smells and the yeah. sounds. Yep, not, not just the look. And even the smells and the sounds when you ride a two-stroke, that's all the senses are in play, you know? Yeah. And um, that's something that the, that an, an electric machine can never replicate. Uh, no. I mean, is, is there any sound better than listening to Jeremy McGrath go through a set of whoops, you know? It's, it's no. just an awesome sound. It just is. And a four-stroke can't really capture it, and an electric bike surely can. It's just going, zzz, 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 zzz. that's all you hear, so. Yeah, yeah, the, the chain, chain slapping, yeah. That's about yeah. all you hear. Yeah, exactly, it's the chain, right? yeah that's right that's right yeah cool so i've got some topics man um like okay. i i did say yeah the show's very organic okay especially when we're talking old school stuff man we're just bench racing you know but i just got some topics just to go over just some some cool cool sort of stuff um okay i think um yeah maybe what was your what was your first bike 
Ooh, the first bike I had was actually not a great machine uh, as far as excitement goes. It was a Trail 90, a Honda like the old step through 90s, which yeah, actually the yeah. new Trail 125 looks just like my first motorcycle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I rode the crap out of that until I let my stepbrother ride it and he jumped it and it uh, ripped the electricals out of it. And that was the end of that. <laughs> it was, <laughs> you know, it was, it was not a powerhouse, but it was a fun, like it would kind of go anywhere, had like a low range transmission, high low, yeah. and you could you know granny it around it was good for trail riding and stuff uh so that was yeah. my first you know quote unquote dirt bike uh my yeah. parents were not into motorcycling at all they wouldn't i remember going to the yamaha shop when i was i was probably 11 or 12 and and begging my dad to get me like a yz80 and stuff and he was like ah no you like you'll kill yourself on that stuff so it wasn't until i was a little older and i could spend my own money on stuff so i didn't get any kind of motorcycle at all until i was like 16 and i didn't have a real motocross bike until i was probably 17 or 18 uh, my first quote unquote real motocross bike was a, a 1978 CR250R Elsinore uh, that I picked up. This is probably 1987 or so uh, for like 250 bucks, uh, which I wish I still had. It would be worth 10 times that yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it was, it was that awesome. That, that was an eye opening experience going from like a trail bike to that thing. I about killed myself on it many times, but it was a really cool bike. It was a hell of a machine. And that was my first experience of what like, you know, a real two stroke was like, I was like, oh my God, you know, the second time I got on, I just looped it out and I was like, holy Christ, this thing's got a lot of power. <laughs> yeah. nah, awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. That, those trail nineties, man, they, they were, um, you know, like, um, they, they ran the farming communities yeah. of Australia for, for 15 years, you know, and, to, yeah. and then, you know, them and that, and the one, two, five version and you know, and then the, the, we had the, the automatic 200, you know, uh, we called them CT, CT 90 and the Aussie yeah, ones had a huge rack on the back that you could like, you could put a bale of high end, you put two bales yeah. of high and a dog on top on the back of them if you needed to, you know. Yeah. My um, 90 did too. It had like a rack, there was no back seat, but there was a rack back there that of course everybody would sit on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was, <laughs> they were made for delivering noodles across Tokyo or something, I think, initially. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're great, great machines. Like, I, I'm asking them to get a new one just because, you know, the nostalgia of the damn things. It looks just like it, you know. Yeah. And then also in Australia, um, the, the, like those 90s progressed to a, um, eventually to a 110. And mm. then the postal service here, Australia Post, picked them up and they became, um, the um yeah i mean they, those those things delivered the mail here in australia for 30 years sure um and and they're, they're lovingly actually known more so than a ct110 they're they're just known as a posty bike if you say a posty bike everyone knows you're talking about a ct110 well, you know, right sold more of those things than just about any other machine in history you know they, they built them i think you know versions of the dang thing from since the 50s and uh, they would they're, have they're really, yeah. really, really versatile bikes, you know, from all in the developing world, people, that was their main for, you know, mode of transportation is those little bikes like that. So they're, yeah, they're, they're a bit of a machines. bit of a cult thing. There's even like, I don't know if it's yeah. still going, but there was a, a bunch of guys were um, riding them across the desert in Australia and doing these big desert trips. They really? put a, put a <laughs> big, put a big, put a big tank on, put a big tank on the front Damn. of them and panniers and everything. And they'd go and do these crazy adventures, um, you know, crossing crossing the Simpson Desert and things like that sure. on these um, on these one tens. And you know, she's a slow trip, but that, but you, you yeah. know, the things aren't going to break down because they're yeah. 
It's not going to get away from me from power either. So you don't have to worry about that. So, yeah, they say, um, if if nuclear war ever breaks out, the only thing that'll be left will be the cockroaches. I disagree. It'll be cockroaches and it'll be little Honda four strokes will be the only things left. You're probably right about that. Because yep, those, running and running. The million any of those little two, two valve Honda four stroke motors, those yeah. things, you know, you run them without oil for a week and they and put some oil back in, and they'll just be on, you know, they're keep just on trucking. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, like I said, they ran the, they ran the farms of Australia until, um, pretty much in sort of until the, the your farm four wheelers really, you know, your farm quads took off, um, and sort of took over from, um, from the little Honda Ag bikes, yeah, sure, cool, cool. And so you've uh, uh, you already said you wish you kept your seventy eight CR two fifty. What yeah. other bikes do you wish you'd kept? Oh my god, I I I have a, added them all up over time. I've had over fifty motorcycles in my life, and I got a late start too. So I've had a lot of them. Um, I would love to keep that seventy eight. Uh, I had an eighty seven CR one twenty five. I really wish I still had that. Just I'd, I'd love to find mm. another one to restore. Uh, one of yeah. my favorite bikes, actually, I wish I kept too, much like your KX, like in the background. I, I had a, uh, in 96, I had an RM250 and an RM125 brand new. And uh, I really love that 125. I wish I'd kept it, you know, that bike now. That thing had maybe the best suspension of any motorcycle uh, I've ever ridden. That thing, those, those forks, that was the year they went back to the right side up forks. Yeah, that was a 96. So well, 96, yeah. 96, uh, yeah. Yeah, the motor was, it was not you know, super fast. Uh, you know, I, I was at the time, I think uh, I had a CR125 before that. And it wasn't, definitely, the motor definitely wasn't as powerful on top, uh, but had good mid-range, good lows. It was a snappy, fun to ride. It was just a fun to ride motorcycle. Uh, that's been my experience with a lot of Suzuki's I've had. They're they're rarely the fastest bikes I've owned, but they're just fun bikes to ride. They have a, the way the power works and uh, they come on snappy, fun, just, just, you know, it's a fun bike to ride. And a lot of times I'm, I was never, even when I raced all the time, it was never, I never had dreams about going pro. It was all about the fun. So yeah. a lot of times the, the more fun a bike is, is more important to me than like how fast it is or, you know, how great it is on the track. It's not necessarily the most important thing. And um, that's one of the bikes I really loved. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 96, man. 96 was a, a, um, a really good vintage for for bikes wasn't it like yeah it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah like 96 that. cr 252 that was a great machine yeah uh, as well yeah iconic yeah. bike you know with jeremy mcgrath and stuff yeah what's your favorite 90s bike like you know of just all all 90s bikes is that it is it is it the 96 cr uh you know i think it's probably my favorite that as far as the soft spot in my heart is probably my 1990 I had um I had a 125 500 and 250 in 1990 and um that's the the one I probably had the most success racing on yep. uh, when I was younger and that's uh, so why I won my first race on that bike and I I had it for a couple of years and I I, I love that even though the real knock on that machine was the suspension was pretty crappy on all of all three of them uh, I was always I got revalved multiple times and I was always fiddle with them never could get it just right uh, but the motors on those bikes and that Honda just had just awesome engines in that era mm. and i remember that especially that 250 it, the power band was like a mile wide it never it was never not on the power band it seemed like and you could scream yeah. it or lug it or rev it and it handled great and i love the looks of it so as far as was it the best bike of the 90s no of course it wasn't i don't think it was maybe one of the later kawasaki's are probably one of the best you know bikes in terms of performance but for my personal 
you know, experience that 1990s probably got the softest uh, spot in my heart, you know, as far as the bike I enjoyed the most and had the most success riding personally. Yeah, it's like we were talking a little bit before before we were on air. We were talking just, yeah. Um, sometimes it's the memories of a bike that makes right. you love it. Like my '96 yeah. KX, you know, we, we were talking. Like I hated that purple one, and back then I thought, "What the hell are they doing with this purple?" <laughs> it's so terrible, and um, especially on the 500 where the tank and stuff oh, is purple. Is like, oh my god, it's terrible. So and so um, but then I ended up, I ended up getting a '96. And and uh, I really just got that because the uh, the price was right, but then just fell in love with that bike uh, and the memories made on that bike. And it's um it, it's it's way too long of a story for now, but it, that bike kind of changed my dirt biking life um, for the better, you know. And uh, so I've got a real connection to it. It's like one of my children. It's definitely my favorite bike, um, you know. So it's my favorite nineties bike um, just based on that. But you know. I guess if you if you looked uh you know hard out just look thinking just your head you know um a 96 cr250 is probably my favorite just the whole thing jeremy that season the look of the bike the way he looked the whole thing oh, yeah. you know uh, and particularly his his bike in particular the way his bike looked um yeah pretty hard to to go past that bike. yeah yeah and also a, a, go ahead yeah, I also got a real soft spot for his rival at the exact same time, like um, or, or the following year. Um, uh, Fro's look in um, in '97, oh, awesome um, with the shift gear, such the, the, a good particularly look. because of the still gear. looks great. That still looks great. Yeah, Fro's black shift gear. Um, it's a toss up. Like that's definitely my favorite gear of the the '90s. Um, just just love that like i love i love black you know a lot of my riding gear is black you know even though it's yeah. hot i just like it um you know my, my all-time favorite riding gear would be one it'd be one of it'd be either one of uh rj's or one of bailey's setups from the 90s from the 80s mm -hmm. um you know probably probably rj's red white and blue you know um, yeah, it was a, a great look in 86. You know, yeah, where, where, where one pant leg was red, one was blue. Yeah. That, 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 you know, yeah, real... the USGP look. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that, sure. that's that's probably my favorite ever. But yeah, froze as far as the 90s. So I really, um, yeah, loved, um, loved that era. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite cool. color for gear has always been orange for some. Like, I actually love that orange okay. gear that, uh, Fro rode in 97. He had the shift version of those orange. It looked so, I thought it looked great against that neon green. And yeah. Although the black was, all, I mean, all, every, actually every colorway in 97, I think that first year shift is really awesome. It looks great. The flow green, all of it's awesome. Uh, but I think my favorite gear of all time is probably, I was a huge Bradshaw fan. Uh, I love Damon. And in 92, he had uh, AXO gear. Actually, another another soft spot, like I was wearing this exact same outfit when I won my first race. And I, I, I had... The Axo gear, I love that look with the gel print and everything in the early '90s, and that '92 Axo stuff uh, was just, I I think it still looks awesome now, and I love that stuff. I still have it upstairs in my uh, underneath my bed. You know, I wore the wore the pants so much, I wore a hole in them, and I just kept wearing them. They're awesome. Uh, so I, <laughs> yeah. I, that '90s stuff, you know, obviously if you put it on now, the jerseys are like a sweater. They're so thick. <laughs> They're so prints, thick. They didn't breathe. Yeah. I mean, it was awful. Like, how do we not have a heat stroke out there in this stuff? And the pants are very thick and heavy and stuff but i think as far as style goes that was just an awesome year for gear fox and that era the 
the early nineties, you know, with Doug Henry and stuff looked great. And mm-hmm. I love that, that factory Honda stuff that Jeremy had in 96 was look, looked really great too. And they had like, they're all the whole red riders line that they're all the wearing. big wings. And, and yeah, it looked cool, man. I, I got one of those jerseys upstairs. I, uh, you know, still have it's with the wings going up the sides and stuff. It's mm. just a great look. You know, it's it's iconic and you know, ninety six. It's hard to go wrong with McGrath and that CR for sure. Yeah, that's right. What about eighties? What's your favorite eighties bike? Oh man, probably the eighty seven CR two fifty. That's a great yeah. great machine, great yeah. bike. Uh, the only the only thing I hated about those was uh, I roasted my calf on them, like my the one twenty five and two fifty. And the old before they came out with the like the low boy pipes, man, yeah. it would like if you were like squeezing the bike and through the whoops or something, it would like roast your inner calf. This is the days before they had the, the Kevlar on the boot or the Kevlar on the knee. You had that just leathers, like yeah. leather inside. And I'm yeah. just getting on a long race. I, I, I've had blisters on the inside of my leg from, you know, burning the crap out of it. So uh, other than yeah. that, those are great bikes. They did head shake. I don't know if you had a chance to ride those things, but they, they turn phenomenally, but, they will shake their head like a wet dog, you know, at speed. So that's a little sketchy. I mean, many times I've had the literally had the bars ripped out of my hands, you know, and basically been just hanging on for dear life uh, with those things. They're, they're a little nasty in that way, but they're beautiful bikes and great machines. I think overall. Yeah. I, um, like my, my favorite, my favorite all time bike and my favorite. So definitely my favorite eighties bike is an 89 CR250. Oh, that's a beautiful machine. Um, yeah. That's, that's yeah that's my favorite um you know like that and that comes right back to um you know uh, when i was first so sort of um it's it was probably about 88 when i first started buying magazines but then because i loved the old stuff i was like oh back issues and i started just going <laughs> back issues so i've got a lot of older stuff but um yeah 88 so i was about uh what was i 12 12 years old and um of course um rick johnson is winning everything and um absolutely yeah and i had the rick johnson video and everything and then you know the um seeing seeing that 89 cr come out and i can remember seeing um going to a um so my local dealer the honda but very small dealership mostly sold farm bikes or the occasional xr I remember going to the um to a to a Honda dealer in the city and the 89 CRs were lined up. They were lined and they were lined up perfectly as you walk through the door from the 80 through to the 500. And I was oh, just that's like awesome. And that's it burnt in my mind. I was like, I need to have one of these things. And I never yeah. got one, but I'm still planning on getting one. So it's um, it's a great looking bike. I know I did a video on like the best looking, what my opinion was the best looking. Yeah, I was saying that. Like, I think that that CR is by far the eighty nine CR is the best looking motocross bike I think they ever built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the the everything just ties in perfectly. That that yeah. different red, um, the font on the seat, the stickers on the shroud. Yeah, the the the, the up first first year upside downs, which were pretty yeah. awful. I think I think they're terrible oh. forks, but they looked great. Uh, they're awful. I don't know if you yeah. rode one like back then, but they no. those forks were so terrible. Like I, I've never ridden anything quite as horrible as those forks. I think I remember a buddy of mine had one brand new, and it was, um, it it was it would blow through the stroke. And then model bikes, if you if you them, you know you bottom out, but it doesn't ever give you that shock like those old bikes did. Those old shock 
old forks would metal to metal yeah, just the clang clang yeah the and clang it, yeah it was like you could feel the clang like metal to metal and it would it would be so bad that you would bend the handlebars down you i'd see these little stress cracks in the handlebars from yeah. where it would bottom out so bad it would literally bend those steel bars and it, it was just terrible but the, the very much like my 90 the 90 was a little better uh but the motor was a rocket in that thing it, the bike handled phenomenally head shook like crazy but uh turning and everything was phenomenal but those forks were so terrible it was just un unbelievable how bad they were it was really like the only thing that was wrong with the bike other than that it was awesome but uh, it's funny really hey you talk about the head shake with the hondas like um oh sorry sorry i interrupted you there yeah no, no, you go ahead. um a lot of the older bikes you know um you know in, in the, especially in the 80s that there was characteristics of each brand that just continued mm -hmm. and never yeah. changed. Yeah, and, right. um, and, you know, like, you know, I was, who was I talking? Might've been just last week's podcast with, with Randy. We were saying all the modern bikes are so good. There's little differences, yeah. but geez, they're all good. You can just about pick which color you like and you're going to have yeah. a good bike. Um, whereas some of the performance gaps and some of the, the things that, that brands would just never get right for like for years and years. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Honda every every shootout in the in the eighties and nineties, Honda, um, great ergos, great motor, terrible head shake, you know. Yep. Uh, just the just, you know, the same thing. There's always odd, about the, the head shake. Yep. You know, yeah, Suzuki's the, the always horse. Suzuki's always handled great but didn't have enough power. You know, yep. it was just yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think bikes just in general had more more of a, a quote unquote personality back then. Yes. You kind of knew what you were getting when you bought them. You know, you knew, uh, you know, the way a Suzuki would handle like a Suzuki, and a you know Honda handled like a Honda. They they had very distinct personalities, and it yeah. is surprising that like, you know, Honda. And what weird thing about them with like their their forks, like you're saying for for over a decade, their forks were terrible. Pretty much from '88, mm. um, they they were the best forks in '86 and '87. They had this cartridge forks, yes. and they were like way yeah. ahead of everybody. And yeah. then in 88, they, they still had them, but they made some changes to the damping settings and it really just didn't work very well. But then when they went to USDs, they were awful and they stayed awful until really until about 2000. I mean, for a decade, they mm. were not very good. And it's it, they, they would switch back and forth between Kayaba and Shawa. And they, I mean, the frames change. I'm like, how is it possible? The only thing I could think of is maybe the whoever was doing the testing maybe wasn't doing a good job i don't know it's weird because some mm. years they'd say you know they almost have the same fork that you'd have on a kawasaki on a honda but yet the one on the kawasaki worked better it's how does that you know it's just strange they, mm. they had their personality and it's, it's for some reason they had a hard time back in that era kind of getting past those little things that held each brand back but uh you know it definitely gave them a distinct personality yeah 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 it did yeah the um that's it you know like uh, the, and especially like um certain certain things like um you know late late 80s cr125s um the the performance advantage to be on a red bike in that class in the in the late 80s was just yeah. like yeah. like that was that was just you know it was like cheating to to have a to have a honda 125 in in that era you know yep um exactly and where you know nowadays you know any any 250f you can anyone you, you know you put a good rod on any 250f and they, they're going exactly. to win you know i um, think on any modern bike i mean look at kenny he's on that that rmz which is essentially yeah. a 10 year old design or more yeah. and it's still competitive it's funny you think now 
I mean, I bet like my my 2005 CRF 450, a good guy could probably go out there and win on it right now. I yeah. mean, it's like, yeah, you, maybe you have a little bit of like disadvantage because of the fuel injection, but in terms of power and performance, it's probably not like if a good rider got on it, it'd be fine, but you wouldn't get on in 1990 and get on a, you know, a, a 1978 and have any hope of yeah. competing. You know, it's like the bikes now they've, obviously they're, they get better every year, but I don't think the, the leaps and gaps in technology and performance are like they were in the early days when they were, you know, one year to the next, if you're on a two-year-old bike, you're, you know, you're really at a disadvantage where well, that's certainly not the case. You could ride a 10 year old bike now, probably be just fine unless you're in the pro class, you know? That's right. Yeah. Like the massive yeah. leap. Um, there's a really good article. I think it might've been David Coombs. There's a really good article about, um, I forget that it's even got a good catchy title, but it's basically about the progression of bikes from between like 76 and 86 i think is the mm-hmm. is the era that he sort of captures is where the biggest progression happened and how yeah. much bikes changed and you know especially if you're talking you know like um i mean youngsters don't realize how big of a big of a power you know you think uh honda's a powerhouse now with the uh, the lawrence brothers I, in the 80s like once honda hit their straps yeah. in the mid 80s like that exactly that, that's just ridiculous and that you know they um Pretty much for that whole time period, um, Honda had a new machine almost every year. Probably is yeah, every year. I'm just trying to almost think. Almost every year. Yeah. It's it's insane to think about how quickly they were innovating. Like every single year, the whole model lines are completely revamped. New engines, chassis, yeah. everything. It's crazy. Like, you know, now, um, now a bike. I mean, Kawasaki. Look at a KX, and you're like, well, what year is that? You can't tell at the first glance. It looks like every one for the last five or six years, most of the time. But back then, it was like a new bike every year. Yeah, yeah, like. Um, I've got two mates with, you know, um, I think between between three mates, we've got um, a lot of the um, CR250s of of the 80s. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, like um, I have an 84. I've got a mate who has an 82 and an 83. And I've got a mate who has an, an 81, an 80, and a 79, uh, and an 86. So I think, yeah, there's a, a couple of us in there. And every single one of them is completely different. There might be some yeah. bolts interchange. Yep. Um, and that's about it, you know, uh, especially like the my mate's 83 and my 84. They're um, completely reversed. You know, that's when yeah. mine's the first with the right hand kickstarter. His is the yeah. last, you know, so and like from a distance, there's a they sort of look similar. And then you get up and it's like, is there a mirror here? Like what's going on? They just changed yeah. everything. Um Everything over completely. First year they went to the ATAC and had yeah. a disc brake and stuff. Yeah, you're right. They switched the drive around and stuff. It's it's they, yeah, they yeah. were completely revamping these bikes. Like the 84 CR500 is essentially like a one year bike. Yeah, you know, they flipped the engine around, air cooling, and then the very next year they went to a liquid cooling. So yeah, it's like uh, almost none of those parts are interchangeable between the machines. You know. Yeah, you can't fathom nowadays with that the really slow cycle that you know three-year cycle that manufacturers do with yeah. bikes and, and even then that that you know for the most part they're pretty very conservative with the changes they make you know like the biggest the biggest excitement we've had um in um 20 years really was yamaha's reverse reversing the you know engine yeah. that that's the biggest one and then you know fuel injection um yeah was was electric a bit of a game changer yeah ele- electric yeah. start yeah yeah um but you know that's um 
that's uh you know probably you go back before then it's probably alloy frames maybe you know yeah probably the frames, next probably the next in the 80s it was that. like the monoshock coming in and then liquid cooling yeah. yeah that was a big thing every yeah it seems like most of the stuff now is more incremental and I, honestly i don't see any huge changes probably coming to motocross in in terms of the design of the bikes until maybe unfortunately it goes to electric you yeah know, you can tweak you can obviously get a little more power out of them and tweak the injecting and the ignitions and add some of those new electronics that certainly help but you know i don't i don't know the the quantum leap of changes that was going on in the 70s and it, it just won't ever happen again you know i, nah, I have an article nah. where in dirt bike tested marty smith's 76 125 versus mickey diamond's 86 125 and mm. you would think those bikes were 30 years apart to look at yeah them, you know yeah, but yeah. it was only a decade you know which is you know a decade ago ryan Poto was winning it's not that long ago that's right you know? yeah. but now it's like holy crap this thing has got like five inches of travel and air cooling and no no uh, I don't think hell it probably didn't even have a reed valve from the factory. Marty's bike probably did, but yeah. know, it's amazing the difference they made in, in in just a short amount of time how much those bikes changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You um you like the seventies stuff as well, Tony? You know, I, I like I said, I didn't actually get into motocross until I was older because you know, like so my parents were not into I was not a mini kid or any of that stuff. So yeah. I really Same didn't start me. following the sport until the early eighties. So the seventies bikes I always thought, you know, when I was racing in the 80s, I'd see guys riding them 70s bikes like in, you know, quote unquote, a vintage thing. I was mm. I laughed at them. I thought those things were like clap traps, you know, because yeah. they, they sound the, the air cooling sounds so ratty and stuff like that. But it's like everything. And the older I get, the more they appeal to me. I can appreciate them more, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, the 80s really is where I, you know, my heart lies in terms of uh, where I fell in love with the sport and stuff. Um, I, I didn't see any of those seventies races happen live. I didn't follow the racing then. Everything I know about it is from, you know, watching videos or reading these old magazines I picked up over time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very much yeah the eighties for me as well. But I don't know. As as soon as I got into it, I I straight away had a passion for the history of it. And I used to I used to watch on any Sunday a lot. And oh, it's a great. Movie. I had um, uh, this. Um, so there was a few influences in that, that got me really keen. Like, so my dad wasn't into into um, dirt bikes at all, but um, my um, my mate at the so he my dad was friends with the local dealers with the, with the local dealer, and his son, who's a fair bit older than me, I went to school with my sister and that, and he he um, he always had bikes, so that that sort of sparked my interest. I'd see him, you know, riding um, riding his Hondas, you know riding XRs and CRs and things. And then also had um, just some, uh, there were some guys that worked for my dad who rode dirt bikes and they'd take me riding and the dealer would take me riding and that sort of thing. And then there was also, I had this uh, neighbor, a neighbor who was a really cool dude, still known today, really, really cool dude. And he had a big collection of, of bikes and some vintage bikes. And he had, you know, old twin shock stuff, uh, air-cooled stuff, all that sort of thing. And he'd fire him up and he'd be wheeling up and down the street and all this sort of thing. And I'd be just this kid, just like, oh my God, this this <laughs> is the awesome. coolest thing. Yeah. This is, I want to be this guy, you know? Right. Um, and and then he the first time I rode a um a two-stroke, it was his RM125, an RM125B. And um, 
I was riding my XR80 around, you know, we had sort of, we just had big backyards and it was a new development. So out the, just right in the backyard, out, out the back was just vacant lots, right. you know, vacant blocks. And, um, and he came over on his RM125 and he goes, do you want to ride this? And, um, and I took that for a spin, probably never got above half throttle, you know, but I just, I could hear that tang to tang, 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 and I could smell mm. it and all this. And, just um, and I just thought the tin tank and the twin shocks and all that was just so cool and absolutely. So I I sort of very early on got a passion for the older stuff, and I've never really um had a chance still to um, indulge in that with restorations or whatever. But I certainly certainly intend to. Um, I went and helped. Uh, I've got some old mates that race that you know like seventies vintage, and I I went and helped run an event a few years ago. So I was just helping with the track and sweep riding on a modern bike and and that sort of thing and and um, and that was one of the the coolest things coolest things I've ever done you know like we we camped there it was just a natural terrain on a grassy hill you know your real old school vintage thing and camped there I remember I woke up in the morning and and stuck my head out of my trailer and there's a seventy nine a mint seventy nine CR two fifty just sitting there. And I was like, what a way to wake up! Like, wow, Absolutely. straight yeah, out of bed, talking to this guy about his bike, and just I grin from ear to ear the whole weekend. So, I do really, um, really do love that um, that seventy stuff. Yeah, super cool. It's, it's definitely super- one of those things that, like I said, I appreciate it way more than I did back then. Like, I, I would love yeah. to pick up like a seventy eight or seventy six RM two fifty or something, or like that old Elsinore. You know, I'd appreciate it more now. I I restored a couple of uh, 83 uh, 480s, CR 480s that I had a few years back. And that's probably the oldest bike I've had in terms of like going back to restore them. But even riding those things, it's pretty awesome. The only thing that's catchy is the the complete lack of brakes. It's a little terrifying on those bikes because they have way more. They have modern power. They're still plenty fast, those old 500s, but they just don't stop. Uh, that, that, yeah. that, that was the biggest problem you gotta you know you better grab whole handfuls of brake if you want to stop the thing so uh, the coolest thing of, are cool yeah the coolest thing about those or the coolest and the scariest thing about those big old two strokes with no brakes is when they sort of um do that big so they sort of clear their throat under deceleration and they leap uh-huh. forward you know it's hard to explain <laughs> that someone hasn't ridden one but like you can't yeah. you, you back off early because you've got no brakes and they're just yeah. like this boy they're coming down and then they'll do this like tang this one big tang, 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 tang and they'll yeah, just exactly. shoot forward and just <laughs> you straight over the back of a berm it's like you're not ready for that they'll just all this power will just launch in this one moment when yeah. you when you think the bike's supposed to be slowing down yeah i'll always remember uh remember that i, I got a chance to ride a, a ktm 495 and um and that was my experience on that, that yeah it, nasty it, it shot me over the back of a berm yeah. yes the power power just just obscene power like you can't even yep. explain it you know like um never never not wheel spinning no matter what gear yeah. or what you're doing like constant wheel spin and um and still still you know forcing your eyes back in your head and oh, yeah. <laughs> so and the brakes the brakes felt like um it felt like um wooden is the way i would describe it like you pull yeah, the leather it was just not, like there's you, not like, they don't have the bite that you expect yeah 
just like you, just like that. There's a block of wood between the lever yeah. and, and the bar. Exactly it's right. Like, That's exactly what it's there's like. nothing at all happening here. So. Yeah, there's many times where I, 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 you know, hold on just a little too long. You're like, oh crap, I'm not. I don't know if I'm gonna make this corner here. You know, you're just like bearing down on the sergeant again. It just doesn't doesn't have the modern bite that you get from a disc. You know, it's you have to you have to think ahead on those things for sure. Yeah. Um, so you're on the East Coast, Tony. Do you ever get to any of the big vintage meets or anything like that? You know, I've never been to any of the big vintage meets. Like the the closest track to me is Bud's Creek. I live outside of Washington, D.C. I've been yeah. to High Point. I've been to Bud's Creek. Um, I've been to, you know, a few of the local races here, Supercross races and stuff. Most, but I've never been to any vintage racing. Mm. Um, are you big big into going to vintage events? Oh, look, oh, the... the, the um... The only really, really big one that happens in Australia is um, is well, well north of where I live, and I got a chance to go there um, uh, two years ago now, um, and uh, and that was um, yeah, that was pretty amazing. But um, now I, I'm very keen to uh, one day get to the um, probably the ones that um, Scott Burnworth runs, you know, mm-hmm. um, the Carlsbad reunions and and yeah. there, there's two, so cool two or three different ones that he does. Yeah, I think that'd be yeah. Uh, really cool and then also um in england you know the that's the, the one i want to get to the, the world vintage motocross yeah. nations. that's the one i want to go to because that, that would that be... looks like so much fun oh. see all the guys you you grew up worshiping out there you know on these old bikes and stuff it'd be so cool to see him ride them again you know see stand on some old cr500 or something ripping around yeah yeah i just we're, we were very lucky um so we had um is it two weeks ago now we had the Melbourne Supercross and Rick Johnson was there. Um I saw that on social media, yeah. And he's um he's uh, he he's one of his eighty his actual eighty six CR two fifties was there. Yeah. And uh he rode that out into the stadium and and that sort of thing. You know? So that was um that was pretty cool, man. Like I, I was I was like um I was eleven years old again, just just staring like oh, even though he's an old guy he was in a suit jacket you know and that sort of thing right. like, you know did you he, see the he, time he, they were he was dressed for the casino but he was you know he, he rode out and right. did an interview and that and i just thought oh my god this is just amazing yeah that's better that they tro- uh, trotted him out at anaheim i don't know 10 years ago or so on a ktm on I a KTM. That was weird yeah i, I yeah. guess he was sponsored by ktm at the time yeah, i don't remember now but i was like wow that's a yeah. weird look he's got a five I think on a he KTM. Was... I think at that time he was doing KTM adventure Probably bike, you know, because he does a lot of adventure yeah. bike stuff. Yeah, I think. I think he just seemed like been. a strange look. I'm like, wow, that's weird. It's like you, you think KTM at least let him ride on an '86. It's not like they're, you know, you're gonna buy a new, uh, a new '86 KTM. So, but whatever, it was strange, right? Yeah, yeah. Even thinking of KTM and like you, um, you couldn't explain to kids nowadays like how much of a small thing ktm was not that long ago wow. it's pretty amazing i had never even it? seen one before the mid 90s you never saw at least in my area i never saw one at the track i never saw mm. anybody riding one it's like it's yeah. one of these things you in you know they wouldn't even always be covered in the magazines the shootouts you know mm. a lot of years wouldn't even have a ktm in them it's funny how how far they've come from bankrupt in the early 90s to like the off-road powerhouse they are today is amazing yeah, well, the only reason I knew of the brand was because of my neighbour who had the Ford on five, and um, him and his mates were sort of um, they they had a bit of a um, they were a bit of, like, they were sort of just into different Euro brands like 
one of them had a Can-Am, another one had a Montessa. They were just sort of, mm. you know, that was sort of their thing. They had, you know, Hondas and Suzuki down to well, but they had some odd brands that was just, you know, something that they liked, I guess. So I knew of that, but that, that you know, you didn't really see them. And then, you know, sort of like, you know, you'd, you'd start to see, like some of them, I always loved the look of the, like the, um, the 1990 KTMs. Um, that's a great looking motorcycle i love that look that's one of my favorite ktms of all yeah, time yeah Rock, yeah the replica one there the red, yeah yeah blue. with the red hubs yeah. the red hubs yeah. and the great red looking motorcycle blue. yeah they were a good yeah. looking bike yeah um, good looking bike how do you feel about the year after that when they went to the mint green i don't like it nah like, i hate it's, it's, it's i hated it people, then i still don't like it now yeah a lot of people look. loved I it but I, I just thought i thought they um you know that that sort of red white and blue looks so good with the red hubs and all that and then then they just they went crazy for, i mean all the manufacturers yeah. went crazy in the early 90s didn't they purple, all speaking like, of the purple behind you it's so yeah. funny every manufacturer had to have purple on their bike it was like they went the, the 95 hondas i hated the looks of those things i thought they were ridiculous you know it's yeah. at the time you know yeah. again i can appreciate it now as kind of this kitschy thing of its era but at the time i i was like what are they thinking you know, do you remember like um just you remember the first time you laid eyes on a 91 rm that, oh yeah that was I, the biggest the first time shock. i saw one yep that was a stray i remember a buddy showed up at our local track with one in the back of his truck and i'm like what the hell happened because i always thought the 89 and 90s are maybe one of the prettiest motorcycles Beautiful. ever the Beautiful. yellow and yeah. blue all mono yeah. it's just a great looking motorcycle and i'm yeah. like what is suzuki doing i, I don't even know what the theme of the thing was it looked like a cat barfed on it yeah, it was yeah. just the weirdest look. Even today, I I, I kind of appreciate the '92 just because it's so crazy. With the '91, yeah. like I still don't know what the hell that was. It, it just not a not a great look in my opinion. But that was that was the first one that was really like weird. It and was I remember super the first weird. time I, it's yeah. strange and like I guess they were just hoping they'd get more attention. I mean, I suppose they did. They got that, uh, but yeah. but it was an ugly look. It was just weird. And I remember the first time I saw. Uh, I went to my local Honda dealer and they had the 92 CRs in stock. And I remember seeing that in person and thinking, what the hell? It was because they, if you ever saw those bikes in person, they don't really look like the 94s, 95s. They have that nuclear red, but it's not translucent. That 92, yeah. it was almost like a translucent color where the sunlight would kind of go right through it. It almost looked pink in the sun. Right. Yeah, and, and it was this weird color, and you'd see them at the track, and they quickly turned like salmon pink if uh, you left them out in the sun at all. So after about three months of riding, half of them like look, you know, like some sun faded, uh, <laughs> strange machine. It, I remember that was like, what is Honda doing? You know, everybody just had to get, you know, more attention. I guess it was a strange year for graphics and design for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Almost like some, some. Um some it's like some new drugs just let this uh, made it to japan you know like <laughs> the japanese come up with seriously. some new hallucinogenic yeah. that just like you know, yeah. it's like hey hey this looks good i remember yep. distinctly remember um so my my uh my childhood riding buddy he um he came to school one day and he he'd um he'd beaten me to you know probably the latest um copy of dirt bike magazine because you know you'd go down the shop seeing it well they're not in yet you know right. And he goes, wait till you see the new RMs. And he's just shaking his head. And I'm like, what, what? And he wouldn't tell me anything. He goes, no, you wait. You <laughs> talk to me tomorrow. And yeah, so I was, I would have been straight, you know, we call them the, the news agents where you buy all the magazines, you know. Um, right. 
because they, they wherever they'd sell all, all the newspapers that have the magazines that's where you get them as well so straight to the news agents bought yeah i wouldn't have even bought it yet i would have just opened it up to have a look and i was like oh sure. my god what did they do that's just yeah. you know because i love i love those 89 90 rms that was such a pretty bike they're probably my that was the worst part of it it was such a beautiful bike before that it wasn't yeah. like it went from sort of ugly to really ugly it went from beautiful and classic yeah. to this weird thing like it's like they yeah. fired everybody in the design staff and let a bunch of five-year-olds just go crazy with crayons that's right just, yeah <laughs> it's just so yeah, crazy yeah. it was probably it was probably a miss you know but the funny thing is if i see one nowadays i really appreciate it i was like I'm oh yeah like, yeah cool yeah. cool yeah you, you respect how bold they were i guess but again at the time you know i was like man that is hideous i hated it i thought it was awful yeah uh, you know how did you feel about the magenta yamaha were they magenta over there in australia same yeah. as here yeah, yeah yeah we had we had some little differences um oh, i'm trying to think now um one well i think we you know how they sort of went from magenta to lavender um yeah we had a we went to one or the other early or late so there's one model with, that differs i think the, the 93, 93 i think you guys kept the, differs. the magenta seat and we got the purple seat here yeah something US, like yeah. that but yeah I, I didn't like it now nah, because like, like I, I had a i had a um an 86 yz mm -hmm. and um i loved the red and white well to me yz's were red and white you know um, you guys never had the yellow ones there right it was always red and white with the yellow very early days there was a few models like you're going back to tin tank you're going back to like um you know i think there was one of the yz80s like a yz80d or e or something like that real early mm -hmm. that we there was a few yellow ones did get here but for the most part uh it was uh white yeah yeah they, they were white white with a black seat and and usually a bit of red on the stickers and that sort of thing so there wasn't a lot of red until um about the uh about the the j i think the j models the j models started having a red seat okay and uh so yeah 82 they had a red seat and then a bit more so they sort of got more of the, the red and white um but to me you know that was red and white was was what what yamaha was and i i loved the um you know sort of especially sort of 88 through to 90 yz's i love those bikes you know um right. such uh good looking bikes and I, I particularly i loved the um i loved the red anodized forks on the 90 some people didn't like oh, it i loved them i didn't like you that. don't like I, it yeah, I, had, I had an 88 them. and an 89 yz125 um yeah yeah they're pretty good bikes they were, the power man was narrow but they were they were fun bikes to ride yeah. but yeah that 90 I never liked those anodized forks with the. Yeah, the they, they were a level. I always thought, man, this thing's going to be pink in a year. I was always. And they were. Ones. They're all pink now. Yeah. But yeah. Um, right. And that and that was also it was a cool era. You know that was when Bradshaw was exploding and. Oh yeah. And all that sort of thing, and then when they went to the um, when they went to the magenta, nah, I, I hated it then. Same, but same. Cool, really cool now, you know. But yeah, I um, I kind of felt like Yamaha lost their identity for a while because they changed so much you know, they really they sort did. Of went... it was weird they kept couldn't figure out what they wanted to be yeah I, like i hated in 95 when they went to 
the factory team did the deep blue look. Yeah. I thought it was ugly. I was like, this, what the hell? Blue Yamaha? Yeah. Weird. You know, but it, you quickly now, it's like, oh, I love it. It's great. You get used to it. You know, at yeah. the time, though, I'm always, I think I'm just adverse to change. When they make some real drastic yeah. change, I'm like, oh, what are they doing? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they sort of eventually settled on blue, but that's sort of the period between the red and the white through to the, um, through to the blue. There's, yeah. It's funny, though, a lot of the race bikes, looked better than the production bikes though too like yeah brad bradshaw's 92 bike and that looks awesome you know right um, all, all of froze bikes through that period that froze bikes always look great you know right um they, they tended to just uh, tweak them a bit and just have them looking you know really really cool um, that neon color was awesome you know it's funny like the 96 they never had the, the works bikes weren't purple at all they didn't have any of that stuff they yeah were totally green yeah that flow green look that was just yeah. Okay. If you saw it in person, it like it was like day glow. It was so cool to see. It was a really great looking motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it was was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Now the um, but like uh, what about um for you when the when the ninety KXs come out? Because that was that was sort of the very first oh, one where things yeah. went crazy. That was the start I think of that. the one that I think we could blame them probably for most of the other crazy stuff that happened. <laughs> yeah, they kind of broke the ice with that. That Didn't first I? holy cow. Yeah, that was a bike that even though it was a drastic change when I first saw it, I mean, I mean my buddies thought it was the coolest looking motorcycle we'd ever seen. I, I loved it. I thought this thing was so cool. Cause I yeah. I'd had a Kawasaki uh in eighty seven, I had a one twenty five at one point, I had an eighty nine at one point. And they were good bikes for what they were never great, but I thought they were pretty decent bikes. But they were always very boring looking. You know, the one twenty five had this the single sided radiator very on under, it. Under, very weird. understated looks, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, it was very conservative. And then yeah. that ninety, man, it was like they they swung for the fences and i think in this case they hit it out of the park i thought yeah and i still think it's a great looking motorcycle you know if you look at it now you see one my, actually my buddy jamie has one uh you know the some of the the bike looks jumbo sized actually mm. the, the frame is very large the fenders are very wide like the rear fenders like you know this wide it's crazy yeah. but um at the time it looked so avant-garde and you know that frame was so cool you know it kind of looked like a street bike or whatever and it, I, I thought that was mm. a really great you know in terms of success and you know visually speaking at least uh i think that was a great looking motorcycle personally what did you think when it came out yeah i loved it that that was that was definitely yeah there's hits and misses that one was a hit um yeah, when that, when sure. those 90kxs came out you know they just they got they got a um the the mixture of um of going a little bit crazy but tastefully right. i guess you know they didn't right they uh you know and the 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 pink and purple works with the green, you know, it just, it does. It, it looks works. much better than some of the other bikes. Yeah. You know, I think the purple sure. stuff on the green works. Whereas that I never really dug that when Honda put purple with the red sort of, it just, doesn't, to me, it doesn't work. It doesn't weird, really yeah. work as much. Um, yeah. And that sort of thing, even, you know, um, when Suzuki put a bit of purple on the, on the yellow, I was, I was, I wasn't sure about that. I thought the, I thought blue goes better with yellow, but yeah, but yeah. When it's all said and done, man, all those, all that, all that crazy nineties look though. Yeah. I just love, I love it all. You know, you it's cool. I mean, the back, fun thing about it now is it has so much personality, you know, it it's does, not like yeah. everybody's a cookie cutter bike and stuff. It, everything, they, they were definitely swinging for the fences visually and, you know, and love it or hated it. It made a statement. So. Yeah, that's right. You know, like oh, you can't, um, you know, you can't easily distinguish a, um, 
a, a modern bike from a five-year-old bike now can no. you you know especially no. if it's got a if it's got a graphics kit net on it it's like yeah. you know is that like last year's model or is that like five years ago or even 10 years right. ago sometimes if it's if you see it riding past you're not gonna know exactly you know? yeah my but 2016 ktm you know if you just look at it quickly it looks just like a, a brand new one you know they don't look yeah. that much different unless you go up real close oh the shrouds a little different or the you know stuff like that but Visually speaking, they look very similar. You know, it's not like these yeah. huge changes anymore. It seems like to me, you know. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you go to a, um, you know, there, there's a, a reasonably good um, vintage racing scene of um, of not of racing '90s bikes, '80s and '90s bikes where I live. Right. And you go to something like that, and um, you know, people just know they, they know what you see it go past. And it's like, oh yeah, that that's an eighty seven. You know, oh yeah, this right. guy's got it. You can tell them just from a riding past. You can pick up on sure. the little little things. You know, there's a few models that might blend. You know, a little bit like my KX that ninety four to ninety eight. If they stick it up, yeah. it's a bit hard to tell because they they did sure. say quite similar. And some of the Yamahas stayed quite similar in that. But yeah, it's still um, you know uh, yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot of um, little differences and little little personalities where it's not not nowadays. It's a lot of you know, yeah, uh, bold new graphics as they say. There. Right, B and G bold new graphics. So uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's um, that's cool. Yeah, the um, what about um, have you done much like vintage racing yourself? Have you you drag any have. of your bikes out? Yeah. I haven't like I've taken when I had those four eighties, I took them to the track and rode them, but I never raced them. I was always afraid to hurt the darn thing. You know, it's yeah. like, I'd take it easy. And, you know, it, it was such a, especially when I was doing this in the early two thousands, when I had these bikes and like, I blew up the transmission on one of them and it turned into this utter nightmare to try and find a third gear for this bike. You know, it's so old and it's, it was, you know, I guess, is it's probably easier today to find stuff because of the internet and stuff. It's probably easier mm. to find that kind of stuff. And the vintage has become so big too. There are probably people making replacement parts for these things, even that weren't, you know, like the yeah. old Hondas that all rotted out the friggin' water pumps, you know, they probably yep. figured out ways around that. Now that was a real issue back then. Yeah. Um, so I was always with my bikes. I, I had, you know, I, I just had a, a 1990 CR250. I restored a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, remember, I, yeah. I had it just yeah. to ride it and play around on it but i didn't really want to i was afraid to hurt the damn thing you know? yeah, uh, i guess if you you know if you go into it thinking okay i'm gonna race it and that's what i'm gonna do i'm not gonna turn it into a garage queen, yes you know maybe you don't yeah. feel the same way about it uh but you know i was always like i wanted to look beautiful and I, I really hate to break it so i never thought about racing one of those i uh i suppose it's probably fun if you're racing against other guys on similar bikes mm, you know it is it's uh, really good fun yeah yeah i'm yeah, sure yeah. it is it's really good fun you know you get that that gate drop of two strokes you know um sure nobody has it, any brakes so that's great it's cool <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, all, all of my um yeah all my stuff is um is is disc brake so oh least, that's good but, at least you uh, have that that's yeah. good but i do um yeah i really want to get into the um to the older stuff what wall i still can you know because the 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 70s racing scene and that sort of around here it's you know they really starting to struggle with numbers and just not enough people into it and and a lot of the guys that had bikes and and have a passion for that era they're getting too old to ride now you know and that's sure, what they had exactly. they hang in there but they're getting too old yep. to ride so i'd love to um yeah get a little bit involved with that i've got a i've got a thing for um for old spanish bikes for bull tacos and osses 
which is um, wow. I have uh, never actually seen a Boltaco or or a Osa in person. I've seen them plenty of times in magazines, yeah. but I've never actually seen one at the track. Yeah, now are they hard to get parts for them now? I mean, they have they've um the Spanish stuff is actually not too bad. Yeah, yeah, apparently um Osos, I'm not sure, but Boltaco parts, it's not too bad. Yeah, there's there's a there's a fairly um there's a very devoted um you know worldwide sort of devoted love of, sure. of bull tacos and so yeah the parts aren't aren't too bad and and the bikes themselves um have held their value you know a little bit less than like an elsinore or or, sure. or an rm you know of that same era um and uh, so they're a little bit more affordable to get it for a start but yeah sure. but yeah you're right about the internet with uh with old bikes it's the internet's made things um easier to find yeah there's things like for my my 84 cr it's uh it's a it's a long-term work in progress because i'm always too damn busy to uh, get things finished but it uh it'll have parts from all over the world on it you know there's mm -hmm. there's one part you know there's one part that's come i can't remember but some european country finland or somewhere yeah. i found like the last one in the world and all this sort of stuff and, and i got that recommendation of where that part was from a guy in england you know like so you got to be prepared to put in the the hard the hard yards to um, i mean that's part of the fun too is trying it that is stuff. yeah and, uh, yeah when i did restoring that 90 same thing i got a lot of stuff from italy and mm. you, know, you can there's people that have old works parts that that are selling them you can find all kinds of trick stuff and things it's kind of crazy the the availability out there but you know in the old days you never would have been able to find any of that stuff you know unless you knew you, i remember when i was younger mm. calling around the local junkyards trying to find parts for stuff you know it's like now yeah, you go. type it into yeah. swap meat places and you can it's so much easier to find that kind of stuff than it used to be yeah and there is some reproduction parts getting built and that sort of thing too which right. does if there's enough demand yeah yeah once the demand gets up you know like um you know it's especially the the um the in my experience the 80s stuff is probably easier sometimes than the 90s stuff because the demand's not quite there like you know like power valve wow. parts for my kx is that that's one of the reasons why i don't ride it so much anymore because like it was you know i got some of the last ones in australia and that sort of thing and, sure and I've, I've known of people getting billet power valves custom made and all that sort of thing but i haven't heard of anyone yet um you know they really need to reproduce in things because those kips valves and that they they were um they were all alloy so they um they break and the teeth wear down sure. and all that sort of thing and um and that sort of thing you know um, especially the, the older bikes where they never you know someone's owned it that's never cleaned the power valves you know of course, <laughs> yeah of, right exactly you so, know so you, you got to sort of yeah you maintain them there all right but yeah most uh, most kids that had a kx125 never did that so no so the part of there's the joys of vintage you know machines cars motorcycles whatever it is you know that's the yeah. problem that's finding the parts and sourcing it was always a bit of a challenge but it's also like i said part of the fun that's right do you have a favorite um do you have a favorite cover magazine cover from your collection this oh, is probably wow. a tough one that is a tough one i'm sure if i had enough time i could think of something i mean yeah. i will say like i, I as i go through because I, I looked at my magazine quite a bit i'm always like when mm. i'm doing a new article or something i'm kind of rifling through them i love the like the mid 80s um motocross actions when they'd have like a lot more race footage on there Maybe something. There's one where like I have Ron Lachine on the cover on that RC125, and it looks so cool. 
Um, probably something from the mid eighties. Cause you know, now the magazines, even the ones that are still around like motocross action and stuff, mm. they all just have pictures of their test bikes. That's all they ever put on there. And they seem to put, you know, a lot more care into the, uh, the photography and the, the editorial in the old days personally. Uh, so it's yeah. probably something mid eighties, probably motocross action would probably be my favorite. Something in that era. Yeah. 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 The, um, there's one, it, there's one that I always, um, always loved and it's more from the wording than the picture. But okay. it, it, it was um, it was Dirt Bike Magazine just after um, Anaheim 1990. And on the front of it, I remember just the, the front cover, it's got, it says Damon Bradshaw and the whole shot from hell. <laughs> and yeah. I always remember that. And I've got it over in the That, that whole shot was one of the ballsiest moves <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Because if he yeah. had not got there, he would have gotten blown into the cheap seats because he yeah. was warped ten around the outside. That was an insane, yeah, yeah. insane I don't maneuver. Think, I don't think I've ever seen that. I've seen, I've seen, you know, like a, at an amateur race where you get one kid that's really good. I've seen a whole shot from the yeah. far outside, you know, like that. But sure. not, and I don't think I've ever seen that at a pro race where a guy's just from the far outside railed just the top of the berm at warp speed and, and yeah, just didn't shut us. off. It was, was he was, I mean, he's inches away from getting pinched as he's exiting there. He yeah. just barely misses it. And it would yeah, have been yeah. an ugly crash. It was such a ballsy it's move. A, I just wish that, um, I wish we had more angles and footage of that, you know, because yeah. the, 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 the HD the, or something, yeah. The, the camera shots not, doesn't quite do justice to no. you rewind and you have a real good look at yeah. that. That's, that's one of my, my favorites. And, and so it's sort of the wording on that cover and then um but there's there's some really good covers um you know so gr like growing up we didn't have a big motocross scene it was more of an off-road scene so sure a fan of both sports you know and um you know and as a kid it was just the same thing they were just dirt bikes one had headlight one didn't sure. you know right and um dirt bike magazine the um some of the um doing crazy things on uh, inappropriate bikes, you know, like there's dirt bike magazine covers where they're just launching the shit out of a, an XR 600 or something, yeah. you know, like, you know, Jim, Jim Holly, you know, on an XR yes. 600, there's some really, really cool things like that. Yeah. Um, I, there's one in dirt bike where he's somebody, I don't know if it's Jim or, but somebody's launching an XL 600 over a road jump over like a Porsche 911 or something. Things yes. like 20 feet in the air. I actually I had one of those is, bikes, and I think yeah. the thing was a broken half when he landed. Because good lord, I think that is Jim. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. The, I mean, and the you know the best one is is Jim um, jumping the um, the heart. There was electric glide oh, yeah. Harley. Yes, <laughs> he was fair. That guy's crazy. Still to this day, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's it. always um, you know, I was always a you know, a big Jim Holly fan. Just yeah, you know, really because he was he was the guy he was the guy doing yeah. that crazy stuff and then and then a bit later years i'm i'm, I'm always a um like a, a big um rich taylor fan because he was yeah. doing the crazy stuff in dirt rider you know he's got such uh, great photos. so so many great photos of rich you know in that era yeah. test riding for them and stuff and it's really cool both those guys ended up doing stunt work in um I know, in, right? mov in movies yeah so which is yeah. um which is pretty cool, you know. So obviously that that craziness led them to uh, led them to do that. So yeah, that's. Um, did you have you ever seen a video called uh, the David uh, Gary Bailey did called uh, "Pros at Practice and Play"? 
it's on my YouTube channel, but it's, that, it came out. I remember it came out in '89, and it was like the very first video I saw where I was like mind blown by some of the crazy stuff. It has Bradshaw. He hits this road jump, and he must jump 200 feet uh, on a, a YZ250. It, it's it's got some really insane stuff. That's like the first like quote unquote freestyle video that was out there. Okay, and yeah. there's just some insane stuff in that old video. I was like, I, it just blew me. Up. You watch the guys race, and you think, oh, that's pretty awesome. But when you see some of the insane stuff they do when they're just playing around, it's just like, oh, my God, these guys are complete lunatics. Yeah, there's a good chance I have seen it. I can't remember that one. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, yeah, the first time the first time I saw anything, any sort of huge things like that was so um, the uh, you'd remember the video Rick Johnson profile of a champion. Oh yeah, I have that one. Yeah, I have yeah, yeah, I have it. I, 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 when I was a young fellow, I probably could have recited every single word from the whole movie for sure. You know? And um, the the scenes where he's, you know, uh, I, the um, oh, I did know the location. I think it might have been, it might have been at Honda Land. I think that huge that huge downhill jump. He yeah, jumps up the, the hill and jumps something canyon or something. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, there's a yeah. particular name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the first time I saw that. I just thought that's just, you know, unbelievable. Just launching off that chasm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. holy Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. Now that, um, that was the first, um, first thing I saw of that. Yeah. That, uh, nah. The, well, if you uh, watch what... some of those old races, those guys are so crazy because the jumps didn't have like landing ramps hardly. They, you know, when they were first kind of figuring that whole supercross thing out, it was really just who had the biggest balls because the, the jumps were not well designed at all and the no. bikes weren't set up for that. You can see how, you know, you watch watch the race and you see how soft their suspension is. It's just like going all over the place. Mm. You know, it's amazing those, what those dudes could do on those bikes. They just weren't really designed for that, you know, and they hadn't kind of figured it out. But, you know, it, it's amazing if you look from a race in 85 to a race in 1990 how – a 1990 track looks a lot more like what we race today. Yeah. You know, and how much it changed in just those five or six years, uh, you know, with the bikes and everything else. It's amazing how quickly that, that ramped up um, mm. and how, how hard it must have been to ride those. Like you get on your 84 or CR250 and take it on, on a, you know, a track like that. It's, it's insane that they didn't just all kill themselves. It is. Yeah. It is. It's cool. Like the, the, you could see the, um, yeah, the different styles and that riders were, riders were trying. Yeah, you know, they talk about modern times where you know riders have different styles. The different styles back then, like you compare um, Bob Hanna's style to David Bailey's style. Like oh, yeah. you, you can't. They're not like, even uh, riding the same sport almost. It's yeah. not a different sport. That's it. You know, like yeah. you got one guy who's literally wide open with his feet <laughs> flapping off the back like a flag. Yeah, you know, pinning it everywhere. Yeah. And then you got another guy who looks like well, he looks like. You know, Bailey was doing things, um, you know, obviously, you know, um, slower. Like and, Jet and Lawrence sort of he was doing Jet Lawrence now. stuff. Yeah. That, this, the things those guys are doing, that's what David Bailey was doing in, in uh, you know, 1983, you know. So, right. um, and then him and um, and Ronnie, like the dogger, the dogger, like, um, man, that watching Ronnie on his 85 125. That is some of the smoothest, most yeah. precise, beautiful riding, you know, just about you could ever see. Yeah. That um, you know, he was Ronnie was sort of like that that sort of Jet Lawrence style and that sort of thing. And yeah, it was uh, at the time I was amazed he'd he'd like stand up everywhere. 
Yeah. I'm like, how does he do that? You know, he like you go through corners and wouldn't sit down, and it's kind of like a, a you know a Stefan Everett's kind of style, and it's like it was mm. amazing. It kind of blew your mind back then. You're like, how the hell does he do that? You know, like, some of those guys just had so much talent. That's a guy. Obviously, if Ronnie had the drive of you know Ricky Johnson, he probably would have been mm. you know Jim McGrath. He probably would have killed everybody. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, yeah. Of course, yeah. I think sometimes the guys that it comes easy to, it's hard to get. They don't have to work as hard. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always work out. So it's unfortunate. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's why, like, you know, RJ, RJ and Wardy, they just worked so hard, you know. Right. Um, that's why, you know, those guys ended up, you know, they're obviously obscene skill, but, you know, they, they had to work so hard. Sure. Um, and I remember, you know, I've heard, I've heard countless RJ interviews, of course, because he's, he's been here <laughs> on that. He about, loves to talk yeah, about himself. That's yeah, true. about how he he would um he was just prepared to hit things harder, and he was just strong yeah. enough to hang on. Was part of his right. that was part of his mo. It's like oh, my suspension. You know, I remember even talking about the early upside down suspension. You know, it was it was pretty harsh and pretty terrible, but I was just strong enough and willing to just hit things hard. Right. Um, it worked well for him because he just smashed into things. Yeah, that's right, and he he could um, just hit it harder could hang on and then you know and then a, a guy like warty a little little guy you know um who who was master a master of a kx 500 you know it's just you know, yeah, was, Wardy, you know all those guys were amazing. like athletes and stuff they were just like fitness nuts you know and it's just uh it's just a different era you know warty was awesome to watch too it is amazing to me that the littlest guy was so good on that kx 500 you know yeah, it's yeah, cool to watch him. i'm glad i got to watch him you know live you know, buds and a couple times before he, he retired. And it's just awesome to watch how, how great he was on that motorcycle. Yeah. Do you still go to buds pretty regularly or? Uh, not every year. My problem is my job is the weekends are tough to get off. So yeah, of course, they yeah. really screwed me when they moved the races from Sundays to Saturdays, man, I was so pissed. I was like, man, come on. Mm. You know, cause at the time I was off Sundays, but Saturday is like our most important day. So it's always yeah, difficult yeah. to get off. So I don't get to go every year. You know, if it, if it's, if I can fit it into my schedule, I love to go. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I have to take time off from work to do it. So it's always difficult. And because I'm the I'm the boss, so it's also hard to get off for that. So it's difficult. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I, I can't imagine, man. So I'm I'm the boss, but I don't have any employees. So it's even better when I take time off. It uh, I don't have to worry about what's happening in the business because it's not running. But I um. There you go. But I do have to worry about catching up afterwards. So. Sure, exactly. That, that's either way. Even if I take off, it got the same problem. Always a mountain <laughs> of something to do when you get back. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very good. Um, I think uh, you know I've I've probably taken up enough of your time. Um, talking uh, talking a bit of bench racing been um, super great fun, man. Super great fun. Um, I've got one one other uh, or a couple other little just little questions that I, I okay. ask a few random questions at the end of the show. Um, what's on your moto bucket list? So you mentioned going to like Fox oh, wow. Hills, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, I think that would be number one. Yeah, my wife keeps telling me I need to take off time next year and go to Fox Hills. I, I think that's definitely on my moto bucket list because I would just love to go to that event. I think I would just have so much fun there. I think that's probably the number one thing I haven't done that I like to do. Yeah, when you go, you're gonna yeah. Do a video of it and that sort of thing because it'll be really. Oh cool hell yeah! Put it on my yeah, yeah. and stuff for sure. Take, There's take so it, much yeah, cool stuff. Do a thing. Well, I think is no. Did Steve Mathis go this year or is he? Was he talking about? I think it was. On? I think he did go this year. I'm pretty sure he did. 
yeah, yeah. I yeah. know. Oh, I think he was talking about wanting to go back and ride it. So there you go. You you get you. Yeah, Mathis you, is you know he was not riding at all a couple years ago, but he's really all in now. He's you know he's riding his bike all the time. So yeah, Kiefer got him into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Remember, Chris, Chris, remember, Chris has a way of doing that. Yeah, Chris is very convincing. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the um, that's that's the way. Yeah, yeah, cool. And um, I've got a few. Uh, I'm just thinking which question we'll ask Tony. Um, I've got a few few weird questions there. What's your spirit animal? Do you have a spirit animal? Oh wow, um, tiger. Because I they used to call me yeah they used to call me Tony the Tiger when I was a little kid. So there you go. Oh, that's <laughs> that's it. Was that was that? Were you a bit of a feisty kid? <laughs> yes, yeah, my dad called me. Yeah, <laughs> getting into trouble. One. That's the why. Did you have, did you have red hair when you were a young bloke? I did. I did. Uh, yeah, it's all gone yeah. gray now, but I had red hair when I was young. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes, that makes sense. If you're a bit of a tiger. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. And what else? Maybe one more. Oh, who, who's your celebrity hall pass? Who, who's your, so if oh Mrs. Blazer gave you a hall pass, who, who's that? Who's your, that's who's a your go damn to? good question. I think, um, who's the girl who played, um, the girl who played Veronica Mars. I know she. I have the hots for that girl. God, what is her name? Um, um, oh, I can think it. of the show. I can She's think blonde. of the show. I know she was on the the Good Life or whatever. I, I can't think of what her name is off the top of my head. But yeah, every time I talk about her, she she knows I got a thing for her. So Veronica Mars. Yeah, no worries. I can picture the show and I can picture the, her face, but I, what is I, her yeah, name? I, I don't know I what her name is. So yeah, I know my my wife was. Um, my wife loved that show. So yeah, she. Uh, yes. Anytime I'm watching TV, it's. It's almost always something to do with dirt bikes. So, she was, but my wife watches a lot of series, and yeah, she was big on uh, Veronica Mars for a while. There, yeah, yeah, she was Sarah Marshall, and who's forgetting Sarah Marshall? But I God, I can't remember her name. But anyway, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well. Now it'll, I, come, yeah. it'll come to me five minutes from now. I'll be like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> That's all right, man. Hey, um, give us your best Aussie accent. Good day, mate. That was pretty good. That's that was pretty good. This? That's not a knife. This is a knife. Uh, yo, that's crocodile pretty good. Dundee. I reckon yeah, it's <laughs> the best so far. Like I'll, I'll, we started this. I'll, one of my mates who was on an early episode, he, he suggested to ask um, any of the US guests to, to give an Aussie <laughs> accent. So. Yeah, I was... love the Aussies, man. I was a huge Chad Reed fan. I, I love you guys. I actually, I'd love to go to Australia. It's one of the places I've never been in my life. I've, I've been to Europe several times, but I'd love to make a trip to Australia. So, uh, it always looks like a, one of those things on my bucket list to get out there at some yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I'm actually I'm making my first trip to the U.S. in um, really? well less awesome. than a, less than a month. I'm going to Anaheim one. So. Oh, I would. You know, I've never been. That's another one I'd love to do. I've I've been to many Supercrosses, but I've never made it to Anaheim one. And uh, I'd, I'd love to do that as well. That'd be a lot of fun. I've gone yeah. to the season finales plenty of times, but Anaheim one is so cool with all the new bikes and new teams and everything. It has a different vibe to all the rest of the races. So I hope yeah. you have a great time. I'm jealous. Yeah, well, I'm a, um, I'm a big, big fan and, and, um, uh, and, and been a, a little bit involved with, with main event moto with D Daniel Blair's show. And, yeah. um, or oh, yeah, the uh, the fans of that show were having a bit of a uh, get together at Anaheim One, so awesome. that'll be pretty cool. So there's, you know, I've got sort of, I made some really good, really really good friends, um, as uh, with other people that follow Daniel's show, and and um, they're from all over the United States, and we're yeah, there's a quite a big bunch of us, yeah, all sitting together at Anaheim One, so 
that'll be pretty cool. And while I'm there, I'm going to, you know, want to get around, just all take it as much of the SoCal moto scene as I can, you know. Um, There's so much to see there. Yeah, you go to Pro Circuit and Glen Helen and everything. There's so much cool stuff in that area. It's like the, you know, the heart of the industry, so. It is, man. Yeah, it is. It is really the, um, it's the, the heartbeat of motocross in the in the world really you know yeah. so you know when when you say i was i was explaining to my dad a little while ago because he doesn't you know he he i've always been into it but he, he's never really been into it but he we got talking about um dirt bikes and i was explaining to him how the japanese will send um send a dirt bike to california for testing you know mm -hmm. and get feedback on a new model and the testing will be done in california not in japan for a japanese That's brand really, and he was really strange. surprised by that yeah yeah, it's weird to, to think that Joe Shimoda is like one of the greatest Japanese riders ever. He's yeah. actually competitive here in the U.S. And it's amazing to think yeah. that all those bikes are built there, yet most of the riders are not world caliber. You know, you have Watanabe and a, a few mm. guys that over the years that have been really, really good. But it always was amazing that, yeah, that the Ameri they send all their stuff and they, for development here, you know, because mm. the, the riders are getting so a little faster, you know. Mm. Goes right back to um... – an article in an old magazine here that I've, I've, I've read it lots of times because I love the story about, you know, um, the Jones family developing the YZ, the first YZ, you yeah. know, like Papa Jones cutting up, cutting up the, yep. what was it? Cutting up an MX250 for, for Gary yep. to ride and changing yeah, like everything on it. He had like a really modified DT, the old Enduro bike. Yeah, it might have even been Packing before. it to yeah. bits and turning it into cut a up the frame, bike. Cut up the frame, <laughs> cut up the swing arm, cut up everything. They cut up the tank and made a fiberglass tank and and all this sort of stuff. That's a that's a great story and sent, sent, the, you know, sent the details back to Japan of how we made this bike a race winner, you know, so. Right. Um, and all that all that done in um, in California, so, yeah. It is, um, it is super cool, man. Super cool. I hope you have a good time. Hope you have. A, uh, I'm definitely jealous. It sounds like a good time. Well, it was Kristen yeah. Bell? That's the girl I was thinking of. Kristen. Oh, there you go. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Finally came to me. <laughs> yeah. All those concussions catch up with you over time, you know. You've had a few. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, I mm. raced for like 30 years, so I've definitely I've been knocked out half a dozen times or more. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I've had, um, I've had three, and. Um, they're, they're the things that worry me more than anything else. Like, you know, I'm not for sure. I got, yeah. I got lots, I've got some bent, bent, and bent and twisted body parts like we all yeah, do. Me too. Yeah. And I'm not worried about any of that physical stuff. You know, people say, oh, you'll get arthritis in those joints and all that. Yeah. Whatever. I wouldn't change it for the memories. But the yeah. head knocks, the head knocks is the one that worries you because of yeah, later sure. in life, you know. Thankfully, I, I haven't had them in a long time. I had them all when I was younger. But yeah, you, it, the problem is you worry about the CTE and some of these other things catching up with you later in life. All yeah. the time, whatever you know. It's like, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it now. But no, yeah, that's right. I, I, I wouldn't turn back the clock. I no. had such a great time doing those things, you know. But the older you get, the more I think I really don't want to try that because I don't want to hit the ground anymore. You know, it's like that becomes priority number one not to crash. So yeah, it does, man. You know, like I, I, um, I ride a lot. And I just love it. I could never stop because it's just it's like it's oxygen. It's like oxygen for me. It's just part sure. of part of who I am. But yeah, man, like I I just don't I don't take risks. I don't take risks. I yeah. can't, you know. Like I um I got a I got a family to feed, you know. So right. you know, and I mean, there's always is a risk. But I just um, even if I do, even if I race, you know, I'm never going to win a race anyway. So you know, if I if I don't take a risk and I'm um, 
20th instead of 15th well it doesn't really matter at all does it as long as i'm smaller you know so yeah Yeah, when i ride it's just for the fun of it you know so i I just my number one priority is to be able to go to work tomorrow and be able to ride the next time you know they want to make sure you just have a good time but you know my pride is not hurt by the fact that i don't want to jump that double it's like you know when you're when you're 18 or yeah. whatever yeah your 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 buddies will go you into that now and be like no you go ahead yeah yeah, yeah no nah, there's no i'm fine there's, i'm fine it's <laughs> one thing yeah when you get older you don't you don't get um you don't get sort of the peer pressure doesn't work when you're an old guy does it it's no. just like, no, it's you, just like you, you, you go ahead say whatever you, you can say whatever you like mate i ain't doing that like that's not my right. bag i'm not exactly. i'm not uh not interested in that at all you know so uh, whereas when someone call that like, wisdom yeah exactly it is that's that's what it is yeah that is wisdom cool man all right we might wrap it up um now how i close up the show i don't know if you've seen before but um i do a little sing-along so if you if if you there's no there's definitely no peer pressure here (laughs) but if you know if you know the words to the chorus of kenny rogers the gambler feel free to jump in at the end there wow okay i'm familiar with the song i don't know if i know the lyrics that well but okay we'll go that's all right. So I handed him my bottle and he drank down my last swallow. Then he bummed a cigarette and asked me for a light. And the night got deathly quiet and his face lost all expression. Said, if you're going to play the game, boy, you got to learn to play it right. You got to know when to hold him. Know when to hold him. Know when to hold him. Know when to walk away. Walk away. Know no when, when to, run. to run. You never count your count money. Your money. When you're, you're sitting, sitting at, at the, table, the table, there'll be time enough time for counting. Enough for counting when the dealing's done. I think that's it. Good job, man. Good job. That's the way. A lot of people don't even have a guy. So I was like, I'm just a guy that likes singing. And so what? What happened, man? The very first episode, I forgot to do an to organize an outro. And okay. so just being a the a bit of a loose unit I am and 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 I like singing and and then I just I uh, just winged it and I just chose that song and ran with it and it became a bit of a bit of a fun thing to do. So I'm certainly Thanks. familiar with the song, but I, I I was like, I don't know, know the exact lyrics, but okay. <laughs> That's all right, it's just for fun, man. Thank you, Tony, very much for joining the show. <laughs> we'll have to do this on. again one day. Um there's yeah, there's always a lot of vintage bench racing to do. So Thank you very much for your time. And thanks for anybody that's listened. Cheers. Cheers.